We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience audio only affair today. I got Davis back for week four of the Corona cast. I was... Really hoping this would be done after week one, but now as we enter week four, this could be an ongoing series. Uh, one thing I do want to hit on, it does look like the NFL draft is going to go off on time. So in the comment section, if you smash the like button for the video, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. Tell me uh, their affiliation, their name, their Twitter handle, guests that I can have on for extensive college football draft coverage, NFL draft coverage, whether it be props, betting, whether it be someone to talk about offensive linemen. Obviously, Thor was on the show last year. I'll have Matt Kelly on again. And like, don't say like Mel Kuyper Jr. Like he's probably not going to come on the Pat Mayo experience. But in these times, I want to get access to as many good people as possible, try to provide some quality content, along with doing these types of shows. All of a master, a master's week is still happening on the Pat Mayo experience. If you do that, you smash the like and leave your DraftKings handle with that info. Uh, you'll be in a draw for 20 DraftKings dollars if you subscribe to the audio podcast of the show even if you're just watching on the video go subscribe on your phone whatever to the audio podcast of the pat mayo experience leave a five-star review DraftKings handle and something you like about the show and you'll be in a draw for a hundred DraftKings dollars even if you see a show that pops up that you don't like uh download it anyway you're on your wi-fi download it anyway and just delete it right away and just say ah fuck this show i don't want to listen those downloads really help all podcasts not just mine but if you do subscribe to a podcast uh really hit those downloads those go a long way because podcast numbers not shockingly, down across the board. A lot of people listen to podcasts when they commute to work, when they're killing time at the gym, or doing whatever on their lunch break. When you're stuck at home all day, listening to podcasts, probably not the number one priority that you have right now. So even if you don't listen, hit the download button on all these podcasts uh, to help keep this industry afloat, at least for a little while. Anyway, so we can keep bringing you some content. Hope everyone's doing all right out there. Today with Davis, we talk a little bit about what's coming up next, a potential show idea that I have for the next few weeks and you know more of the same shit that davis and i talk about every single week hope you like it
sense. So what have you been doing the last seven days? Uh, last seven days since we last talked, um, I, you know, I mostly just spent my time thinking about push-ups, you know, not doing push-ups, although I, you know, I, I will say I have done more push-ups in the last week than of all of the last weeks combined, but, but really most of what I was thinking about was, was John Bale's, uh, his biceps and his triceps and his, his pectoral muscles. That was most of what my last seven days was, uh, you know, concerned with. So when Bales was doing all the push-ups, it didn't inspire you to to hit the mat and start doing them? Because I did. I tried to see, I tried to go on a pace that would put him over. So I did that for two hours in the morning when I woke up. I was doing 20 push-ups every five minutes. And then after two hours, I mean, I just got really bored. So I didn't want to do, like, I wasn't competing for anything. I was like, this sucks. Like, there's no way I could do this for 12 hours. But... It was a mainly like I really think it's a mental thing to keep yourself engaged for twelve hours because the way he was doing it was super sharp, you know, five or six every you know forty five seconds every minute every minute thirty that kind of thing, and then you know, take a break at some point because you're way above pace. But I don't know, just staying mentally locked in. I, I know there was two K on the line for him, but still, would have been horrible. yeah, still right, yeah. So still, it 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 see it just seems horrible. Um, and that was, I think that if you talked to a lot of the people that wagered on John's side, they would basically say they just they just knew that John was going to be that mentally locked in, and that that was the edge that he brought to the bet. I mean, not only that the guy is super strong, um, though he did say when I talked to him on the podcast yesterday, he did say that he didn't know if he could do it. So he, you know, he did not know I I can do this or I can't do this. He said that probably the fair price after he had done it and, and thinking about the difficulties of the challenge was he was a a minus 400 favorite to complete 2,400 pushups in 12 hours. Uh, So, so if you got it in on even money on the over, you got a great price. If you got it in even money or slightly worse than that on the under, you got a terrible price. But yeah, I mean, I just think there are, people that are mentally strong enough to do that and to basically like just be bored out of your mind for 12 hours. Cause it's not like he's like, he's not watching TV. He's not listening to a podcast. He's trying to stay focused. And, uh, you know, just, I, I mean, I can't imagine just being that bored on stream for 12 hours with people in my living room. Basically. Did you watch much of it? I watched the last half hour. Oh, I was in there. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I watched the whole thing or that it was like uh, my primary screen, but like I had the Twitch or the Periscope stream up, I would say six hours of the challenge probably. And then I watched the last, you know, 30 minutes or so. And actually even watched uh, the last set with my girlfriend brought, like brought her into it and like, like, you know, I'm not watching football. Like, she doesn't care about football most of the time, though she does watch, like, the Chiefs playoffs games with me. But we watched the last set together. Was she impressed with Bales being like, why can't you do that? Uh, yes, but also she was like, why would you ever bet the under? She looked at him and she was like, this guy's clearly yoked. Like, why would you bet against this guy? Because I bet I bet the under like just a stone cold idiot. Oh, you bet the under? The How do you, how do you end up betting the under on that? Because, well... I mean, now I'm not going to try and make myself sound sharp in retrospect. Well, you're but not going to sound sharp in retrospect because you lost. Right. So I bet it on Monday at Even Money with uh, Hoop, Mike Petta from Roto-Grinders. And my, my essential thinking was, um, you know, this, just, this is just a lot of push-ups for anyone to do, John Bales or not. And, and that it was 
more likely than not that just even even an in shape person could not do it uh by thursday morning i basically was like oh the bet that i placed is just a pay-per-view like you know it's just a reason for me to watch because i i if i had really cared or if it had been for like a significant amount of money i probably would have just bought out of my position or sold the action and then bet the other side i didn't really care though uh, something I wish I could have just told myself is, you know, everything in the world is so stupid and horrible right now. And we just, we get no good news. Everything we hear about sports is it's further and further away. Why, why do you want to root against someone? Why do you want to bet an under? Uh, So that just, I should have, I should have thought about it through that lens for sure. Well, that's something to consider once sports eventually return is that the first week back, everyone's going to be smashing overs that there probably is, a lot of value in the under market. Let's say, let's say football goes because they had that meeting. I'm glad we did this on a Saturday evening because Trump had that meeting with all of the commissioners of the leagues today. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's there's no chance football won't start on time, which seems crazy at this point in time. Maybe, maybe he's right. Who knows? But once football is back, let's say that's the first sport back, like hitting the unders week one is going to be the move. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I, I think that's, that's a really, that's a really interesting point. And there just, there is, there's going to be so much irrational exuberance, but you know, these teams are not going, they're, they're not going to have practiced. Uh, that's actually, that's actually a point I was thinking about because, you know, I'm just doing all these dynasty drafts since there's literally nothing else to gamble on or, uh, you know, to, to, and I love dynasty drafts anyways, but just thinking like, I think a lot of the rookies this year in the NFL are really going to struggle because they're just, if the NFL does happen, there's going to be basically no off season practices. Do you like dynasty to play it? Or do you just like doing dynasty drafts? Cause I hate dynasty leagues. I hate them. Uh, I really enjoy them. Uh, I tend to be probably an above average player in them because I play college football, daily fantasy. And I, have like uh, a no, methodology no, 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 no. Hold, that... on. hold on a second if you want to be really good at dynasty you got to be the guy in the league that actually pays attention because so many people just get bored with it right yeah and i mean you got to be making waiver claims every single you got to be um making waiver claims every single week and stuff and you have to be uh you know especially in these really deep leagues where it's like 30 man rosters like you have to be churning out like you know, if there's a new fourth string running back on the Kansas City Chiefs because the old one got hurt, you have to be churning out those roster moves. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but, you know, because I work from home and that's just like, you know, it's, it's just I, I'm going to be on my computer. It's just easier for me to keep track of stuff and make those moves, basically. Yeah, there should almost be like... I- we instituted in some more like casual leagues that I play in because I can't be, although I'm on my computer a lot or I'm on my phone a lot. I doesn't like flash in my mind that, Oh, I need to go make a pickup in this fantasy football league that essentially we block everything per day and you can have fab bids every day. Yeah. So what most of the dynasty leagues that I play in, and so I'm saying this knowing that I've signed up for, I think four new leagues this off season. So I, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how all the in-season rules in these work yet. Most of the leagues that I play in, they just have fab on Wednesdays and then first come first serve on Thursdays is how it works. That's how my like home league works, but I play in a lot of leagues where it's just fab. It's, 
you know, you have your three days and then like Wednesday at noon or whatever it is, waivers goes through and then waivers goes through again every evening at midnight. So, right. So yeah, someone, I play, if someone yeah, I play in a few that are like that. If someone blows out their knee in practice, the guy sitting on his computer doesn't just automatically get the other guy. See, I kind of, I kind of like that wrinkle, but I yeah, understand course, that sitting, I, I sitting like at home paying attention. Yes. Right. So I only like that wrinkle because it's very likely to benefit me. Yeah. But I mean, uh, so, so I think that you have to kind of think about the leagues that you play the best, the best fantasy football leagues though, are super flex best ball dynasty leagues where you have super deep rosters and then you can just forget about it. Once the season starts, you can work on trades. You can do all that stuff all season long, um, or all off season long and you have plenty to occupy your time. And then once the season starts, you just forget about it. When people say like Dungeons and Dragons in fantasy football are the same thing, that's what they're talking about, what you're talking about right now. That sounds horrible. Uh, the best sort of fantasy oh. league is one that you can play in with like 11 of your friends and it's just shit talking all week. <laughs> so that's what I am in several of these Dungeons and Dragons leagues with my friends. And that's what I mean that you're, you are right that that is like, that's the best part of fantasy football. It's just like, uh, shit talking with your friends for sure. But playing in these super involved formats, uh, I think is also fun, but also like if Dungeons and Dragons was super profitable and there was a multi-billion dollar industry with that, and I could do a Dungeons and Dragons podcast and like Dungeons and Dragons players were super famous. I, I think that I am much more interested in fantasy sports and how they work than I am in the sports themselves, probably. Yeah, this, so the actual rules and roster, you should just been a lawyer. That's all. That's why there's so many lawyers in the fantasy space now, because all they really did was just figure out loopholes and rules. And how can I maximize this rule and squeeze every cent out of everything that this is worth? You know, I don't want to do this in a destructive way if I'm you know suing people all day long or representing giant corporations or whatever people think is evil. I'll just uh, translate this over to fantasy football and just work on it that way. So, I mean, like that has been suggested to me before. That's actually what my parents wanted me to do. But is there, uh, any, is there any parent out there that doesn't want their child to be like a lawyer or a doctor? Doctor never got suggested to me. Uh, that, that I, I would not. I just I think that you have to be like a certain kind of like compassionate and stuff. And that just was not it. like not that people not that I'm a bad person, but I like I don't think anyone would describe me as like, oh, that guy's super compassionate or super selfless. Like, that's just not. That's just not really me. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I know a few doctors that I ended up, that I went to high school with uh, who ended up oh, going on doing their medical degrees. They're practicing now. Rough time to be a doctor. Although I guess if you're in the super compassionate business, like this is what you want to do. Like you want to be hit. The, the people are in need. People need help. So you're there to help them. Like uh, obviously it's terrifying. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to say that it's not, but you do really want to help. So I get that part. I'd say most of them, real top quality people who want to help everyone, very compassionate. Then there's like a 10% of people that I know that are doctors that are just like gigantic assholes who have a huge ego. They're just really good at, they're just really smart. They, they don't really care. Yeah. They like the status that comes along with being a doctor. Most of them got into like, uh, what do you call it? Like plastic surgery. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So being the status of being a doctor, the money involved, uh, that's got to have a lot of allure to it. But I mean, also the part of the reason that I never had any interest in being a lawyer, very similar to the reason why I would never have any interest in being a doctor, which is that the school is both really hard and you have to do a lot of it. And I enjoyed college, but I enjoyed college because it was stuff that was 
super easy for me to do and that I already enjoy doing. And I don't think I would have enjoyed going to school for years and years and years. Yeah, you enjoyed college for the hang like I did. Yeah. And I mean, I liked my teachers. I liked my classes, but my classes were uh, like just basically reading and talking about books, which is I just I would do that anyways. See, I, I suggested this to you. You should really reach out to Cust. He's, he's got time on his hands these days. You guys could have like a literary podcast. At least just one. Uh, I am. I am. So I'm about I'm about 200 pages into Ulysses. And I would like to do a podcast on that that would get probably the least clicks and downloads of anyone I've ever done. And I bet I I would guarantee that Tim has read that book. So maybe maybe then I will reach out to him. 100%. If there's any like old, boring book, Tim has read it. Yeah, this it's it. I would say that Ulysses is the old, boring book. It was like uh like the book you like had to read for, I don't know, probably until like 1970. See, the move is just read the Odyssey, but don't read the Odyssey and just watch Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? which is uh that which is funny cuz Ulysses is just a, a retelling of the Odyssey basically. See there we go. So it's, it, it all works out perfectly. Just watch the movie. Just watch Oh Brother We're Out There. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, just uh, go to Cole's notes and you can figure it out. So that's interesting though. Uh similar similar time frame. Have you watched Peaky Blinders? I started watching my wife kind of been she does this thing where if we start a show together I she just finishes it. I can't go ahead and watch the rest of it if I like it. I have to wait for her to watch it. But if she likes it, she'll right. just watch it without me. <laughs> so I think of the first two seasons, I've seen six episodes and I have no context for anything that's going on. Right. Okay. Well, I just, that was this, this was a, a quarantined watch that we just started and I really like it. I think it's great. And I, I mean, I really am prone to period pieces anyways like i just I, I love them i think they're i think they're great so uh it's been it's been really good i i so for anyone who is looking for uh binge material that is uh that is my recommendation this week that's on prime right it is on netflix this is, I it, it could on, be on prime as well i thought it was on Amazon. it's a it's a it's a bbc show and it's different because i'm in canada our, our netflix and our amazon is different just because oh the, well, okay the, like the international rights to everything like that espn documentary about jordan's gonna drop on espn obviously in america but we'll get it on netflix interesting i i guess i i assume just that um not that the rights would change as to what platform just the rights would be this is available or this is not available there it well i mean they, they the rights just go up for bidding in other places it's like how nfl sunday ticket outside of america you can only get it on DAZN. when i like my sunday tickets on DAZN. so that's it i that's interesting that you mentioned that DAZN is the first american or the first tv sports tv rights holder that just started to tell leagues this week uh we're not paying you if you don't get us games so i think that's going to be something that uh, dominates the headlines here over the next couple weeks as all of these tv providers just like tear up contracts basically it's hard to really i i would figure that they have 
A, they're an international entity to begin with, so wherever they're con, they're, they probably have contracts out of like Malta or something like that. So the rules are not always adjusted to where they are. Uh, so if you're suing an American, if you're suing ABC or Disney, for example, uh, as provided by the contract, it might not be under California legislation. It could be under Malta legislation, which could heavily favor Disney. I don't know, but that that would be my guess. It's like all these gambling sites have exactly the same thing, uh, just so you can't like go after them all the time. A lot of the offshores so i know that that's why they're based in these tax havens that's why they're based on like native reserves across the country that the laws are just a little bit different so i'd be curious to see if they're just like screw it we're not paying but that might hurt their long-term that because there's an investment to be made like cbs obviously has the money to keep all this stuff so if they say you know we're going to continue to pay you nfl no big deal and DAZN says no we're not going to pay you would they then be in breach and lose the rights? Like CBS cannot lose the rights to the NFL. DAZN, I guess, is making a calculated gamble that there's no other provider internationally that would step up and offer the same sort of money even when it comes back, that they can take this risk. I don't know. That seems that seems ballsy. It does seem ballsy. I would assume that probably it's a calculated risk in the sense of they're just going to run out of money if people are not paying, like if they don't have the sports to offer, people are not going to be paying for their service. Cause I believe DAZN is like month to month, right? It's the, it's the cord cutters way to get sports, right? Yeah. It's 20 bucks a month Canadian where I'm at. And I only get it for September through December. Right. So they're they're looking at their future. They're looking at they're not getting any money in the offseason because they're not getting boxing pay-per-views or whatever. And they're looking at their their finances and being like, if we don't get this money from September to December, we're dusted anyways. So we just we can't afford to pay it like regardless. If it's a calculation that this is the only way we can stay in business, then it's the only move that you can make. It just strikes me as an odd move. I mean, that actually sounds exactly why it would happen, though. Like, if not, yeah. maybe you save yourself, I don't know, I don't know how much they're paying. Like, they wouldn't even be paying the NFL right now anyway. So maybe they would cover, Maybe they would hold the draft. They would have the rights to the draft in other places. But I know the draft is on TSN here, which is an ESPN property. I, I don't know exactly how all this stuff works. <laughs> Man, this is going to be far and away the most interested the public has been in the NFL draft ever. It is just gonna this this NFL draft is just gonna be huge. And I, I'm I'm very interested to see what the broadcast is gonna be like. There's been a couple reports that Madden is trying to program the prospect like walking up to meet Roger Goodell, like in the video game, like using their animation, which I think is really hilarious. Like, I just think that is a really funny way to imagine watching the NFL draft. But really, it's just the most broadcast fantasy draft of all time. It's not really like, is it any different than just, you know, going into the the draft room of, you know, your your CBS fantasy football league? Like, I, I think it's very funny. Everyone will be on Zoom conference. That will be nice. For sure. That'll be yeah. pretty funny. Everyone's like familiar with Zoom now, how we've been doing our shows for years. For years. Yeah, that is very, it has been, uh, that is very funny that this tool that I've used for work forever is now like a, a popular thing. Well, I used to have to tell guests like you need to download Zoom before you come on because that's the program that we use. And they'd be like, Zoom, what the fuck is Zoom? But now everyone's just going to have it. So that's going to really, if sports ever actually returns and I have like live shows and guests again, 
then that'll be perfect for me. I won't have to, I'll have, I can skip that step and just send people a link. I have, a few, I, let me tell you this. I have a few ideas. I have an idea for a new show that I might start doing during this entire thing. Okay. Because I don't want to get too far away from sports because I've been doing a lot of movie stuff and I really do enjoy that stuff. But if I only do movie stuff and don't do sports stuff, then I'm really alienating the base of the people that tune into the show. If every week it's five movie and TV shows and a Corona cast, uh, I think people might get pretty triggered pretty quickly. I think I might just basically copy Stump the Schwab and have people compete against Cust in sports trivia. And Cust is Cust is just you think he will be great average bad how like what do you think how do you think he will do at that he will be above average okay like he's not i mean i love i love that idea i would come on that show he's not howie schwab he's not ben stein but he's good and there will be people that know more than him obviously but i think that he'll hold his own again it'll be good because like you don't want to go up against someone who you're just going to molly off every time or get absolutely killed by every time, like having an actual competition for it. So the way that I'm thinking about doing it is have having sort of like a jeopardy round with maybe three people, maybe three guests, like three randos that I'll pick and I'll give away DraftKings dollars, or it'll be two people and cussed in the jeopardy round, like the, the first round, whatever it might be. And then somehow you yeah. get down to a head to head. Okay. I like, I mean, I, I like that. I like that idea. I, I mean, I think the, obvious issue you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna have some integrity issues with that right because some integrity issues well i mean if these people are gonna be like remote it's not like they're gonna be in the studio and they're gonna have smartphones and their computers and everything yeah right so i i think that there are uh some small integrity issues with that plan yeah but we'll like we everyone will be on camera the entire time so we'll be able to see what they're doing and the hardest part is, like, we don't have the technology for, like, buzzers or anything like that. So once I'm reading the question, it's just going to be, like, who puts their hand up first? <laughs> or, I mean, there there would be a way where a turn-based game could, like, like trivial pursuit, like, not trivial pursuit in the sense of putting it on a board, but some way for it to be a turn-based game, basically. That's interesting. So I think that that was one of the rounds on Stump the Schwab, where it would be, like, it would be... Uh, here are the, here's a bank of the past 25 years, the golfers who have made the most prize money and they're all in a bank. We're starting with you. You get one pick. If you get it right, it goes to the next person. You get it wrong. You're out kind of thing. So we could try experiment with different things. I'm, we're having basically like a, a production meeting on air right now. I'm curious to hear people's thoughts on this, by the way, if they have really good ideas, don't be afraid to tweet them at me so I can take them and call them my own. Stump the Cust will be popular for sure. I mean, it's not going to be as popular as, you know, week nine NFL picks against the spread with Feinberg, right? Like it just, it it won't do that kind of, uh, you know, it won't do that kind of numbers, but it would be something that people will enjoy. It'll also do well with the, you know, the boomer crowd because they will remember Stump the Schwab. Stump the Schwab was probably on air. I, I want to say that it went off the air uh probably when i was 10 like i remember what i have vague memories i know what it is but i don't remember watching it i think it would be fun too maybe we do cussed or maybe it it doesn't need to be cussed maybe it could be you maybe it could be whoever or we have cussed always on um and have like a quote unquote celebrity guest from the industry where like you or any like one of the regular guests would be someone and then like a viewer would be the next person 
That w- I mean, that would be good. I think that, um, I mean, anytime you can get viewers on a, in a capacity where they can be a part of the show, but they don't have to be relied upon to carry the conversation or be super interesting. I think that is pr- a win-win for everybody. And I mean, I, I, I really like the idea. I'm thinking that I'm just trying to think of like, if I would be good at that or not, I think I would have been much better at that when I was a little younger like I think that I I think I have sort of spread myself too thin in sports knowledge now where I would be I know a little bit about a lot of different sports but I don't have like super encyclopedic knowledge of anything these days probably other than football uh, me neither and I would have been the same way like Tim will be really good like as long as it's I mean Tim will be good at current stuff but if you start asking about like the 1965 baseball season like Tim will know answers to that and that's where his advantage will come in over other people anything re- sort of historic so someone I would know I would know a lot of American League baseball history because uh you know I've just watched the Royals my whole life and because um weird like this is very weird but as far as sports autobiographies go, baseball biographies and autobiographies are oftentimes very good because baseball players tend to be a little bit more forthright and like a little bit more interesting. Like football players are just boring. They really don't ever have anything to say and and their lives demand so much singular focus for so long that they're, they're just not really that interesting. Oh, also like, also they get hit in the head for a living. So sure. That's right. That's, that's part of it. But like, um, like, uh, when I was, when I was like in middle school and high school, I read a bunch of books about like Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, uh, you know, Willie Mays, Cal Ripken, like just all of these, you know, all of these historical baseball books. And so I would, I would just have like some random recall from that reading, I think. But it would be like, where were the 1908 Olympics? Stuff like that. Yeah, don't know that. Would yeah. be dusted on that. Let's see. I, I'm going to say like London or Paris because it's 1908. But I don't even know if they're. Yeah, that's so that's good. Right? That's yeah, that's that, that would be. I guess I guess like a big part of just being good at trivia is, is not knowing right. the exact answer. The answer yeah, the, but the, being the, able to take the context of the question. The answer is London. Yeah, there, so there you go. Do you know, and we could even have like, maybe that could be a category, the 1908 Olympics. And it can be, see, now we're trying to think think through. So you could have specific events or categories. The 1908 Olympics, where were they? There's the one point question. So people buzz in, they get it. And if you get it right, maybe you get a chance to run the category if you want. Like the next question right. would be like, who opened the 1908 Olympics? Yeah, I, 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 I do not have any 1908 Olympic knowledge. Well, it would then, but I mean, if you first then, if you guessed it was London, and that was the one point question, and the next step up the ladder is who opened it, you'd be like, yeah. well, who was the head of state of the United Kingdom in 1908? You'd be like, oh, King Edward VII. Now we're on a roll. Then there'd be like, see, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I, I wouldn't have even known that. See, that this is why it's a trivia game, though. Maybe that's too this interesting. Makes, maybe, this makes this make this. This makes me think that I'm going to be even worse than I like think of like because everyone likes likes to think that they are good or average at trivia, but maybe I wouldn't be. Maybe maybe that is a lie that I'm telling myself right now. It's funny you say that because when I went to I went to like a I think we've talked about this on the show before. I'm not sure. I went to a sports broadcasting school. (laughs) Did you know that? No, we have not talked about this on the program. So I graduated from college and obviously like did nothing i started a blog 
which eventually became my career. That was great. But after like I took a year off in between graduating from college, then I saw that there was this very specialized sports broadcasting program in Toronto. That's how I ended up in Toronto. Uh, and it was essentially the person who knew the most about sports of anyone that they knew ended up at this school. And you'd be surprised how many people know the most about sports amongst their friends and know nothing about sports. Well, so like that's something that you learn when you get into so like you get into fantasy sports and then you learn about like sports analytics. Right. And then you try and take like some of the very basic ideas of sports analytics to your friends who you also think know a lot about sports and it either flies completely over their head. Uh, you know, they don't get it or they're just like, I don't like that. I don't understand it. That's wrong. And I just I've always found that fascinating when people who know a lot about sports for average person gets confronted with like actual sports knowledge like that dichotomy is always fascinating. But that's no different than anything else uh, in life when you t- when you have a working knowledge of something and then you encounter an expert at something and it blows you off the page. The problem is with sports, everyone actually thinks that they're an expert. So yes, that, like that people, level people is so much higher. Right. So lots of people have fundamental understanding and then, you know, a smaller chunk, but still a big chunk of like the population sample has a working knowledge. But, you know, expert knowledge is still it, it'd be like anything else where, you know, it's it's one percent of people who are aware of this thing's existence. It, it's a lot like movies for by that because like, a lot of people watch a lot of movies but just because you watch a lot of movies you might not be the biggest movie buff in the world like you might not know what constitutes being a good movie or a bad movie or even when you talk about like shot composition and how difficult something was to pull off so a movie like 1917 they're like oh my god it was all one continuous shot and you're like it wasn't all one continuous shot it was made to look like that they cut here they cut here they cut here and here's how they do it with camera tricks but like People could watch 300 movies a year, just they're consumers of it. And that's what a lot of people who are like sports nuts, that kind of thing. They just kind of consume sports, but that's it. It's very surface level type stuff. Yeah. Sports are their, you know, uh, valium of choice, right? Like they, I like, like, I I like football, but I don't think deeply about it. It's like uh, music for me. Like I enjoy music. I don't listen to a ton of music anymore, but like I have no conception other than, Hey, I like this song. And that's about all I have into it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm a music expert. I, I like think a little bit more about music or I'm like more interested in music than that. I'm trying to think about something in my life where I have not tried to get a deeper. Um, I mean, like I'm not I'm not crazy about movies like I I will watch and enjoy critically bad movies and and be like you know what that was a it's fine that this movie is bad like i kind of like it anyways so maybe maybe movies are like that for me where like i don't mind watching a bad movie here and there or i might even enjoy like a critically bad movie oh i i don't mind bad movies at all i I enjoy almost every movie that i see i like movies but you are able to distinguish hey i know that's a bad movie but i liked it anyway but and oh that was a bad movie (laughs) Oh, I mean, here, I will I will do... Oh, you think all Star Wars is bad and for nerds, right? Is that true? I don't recall saying that, but... Okay, I mean, I just... I just, I just, Maybe maybe I'm confusing your take with someone else, but I watched, because I'm in quarantine and I don't have anything better to do, uh, I've been re-watching all the Star Wars, Oof. and that means even the, the, the prequels, and I watched um, 
the Phantom Menace, which is the one that everyone's like, this is the worst, this sucks, it's except terrible. For, except for Cust, who loves it. So I don't love it. I did rewatch it, and I gotta say, there are some parts that are are bad. And uh, but like one of the things that people are like, oh, it's terrible. I can't believe they did this. Is like the really long pod racing sequence. But like I thought that was fun. Like that that's like a a, a unique look inside this world that like literally we like every new Star Wars thing that comes out, people get so excited about, and then we dig into this one really side element of it and people complained about it. And obviously Jar Jar sucks and is terrible, but I mean, I didn't think the, like on my rewatch, I did not think the Phantom Menace was terrible. I remember skipping school to line up to get tickets to the Phantom Menace in 1999. I would have been in the ninth grade. I think eighth grade, ninth grade. My, my parents were like, yeah, it's fine. (laughs) 1999. I was, I would have been seven. So yeah, you probably weren't skipping school. I didn't skip school, but I did go with my dad to go see it because we watched um, like Empire and stuff when I was a kid. My dad really liked Star Wars. I just remember at the time, like I I saw The Phantom Menace and I thought The Phantom Menace was fine. It's just, it doesn't hold up like the other ones do. And a lot of that isn't, I mean, yes, there are terrible parts of it. Uh, Like you mentioned, Jar Jar is not a great part. But the special effects were so good for 1999. But then The Matrix came out and made them look really shitty instantly that it's just really weird to see, like, the lack of special effects in the original Star Wars movies actually works to its favor now. 100%. Yeah, this this is a very good movie take. Uh, and I, that's the same reason why I think that people viscerally reacted so well to the Mad Max movie, Fury Road, is that while there are a lot of special effects in that movie, CGI effects, all of the car stuff is practical stunt work. And it really shows, and people yeah. like that. Like it, Stuff happens in that that isn't perfect, in terms of like when you're watching like a car go side to side, like it kind of loses control a little bit and you're like, Oh shit. Like, and you can tell it's being done. Like you can tell CGI, no matter how good CGI is like everything. Yeah. You can always tell, but but everything works too fluidly. Everything works too perfectly. Uh, that there's, it's obviously not a human element. It's a real machine element, but someone is controlling these machines that, you, know, you can get it as perfect as you want. You can still see that it's not 100% there. It's only 99% there. And somehow that actually increases the realism of it. Yeah, no, that's so I, that is um like that point about Star Wars, I think is really good. And I, I'm sure that point has been made before or maybe not, but I, I've never really thought about it that way. But I think that is very true that part of the thing that helps, um, you know, Empire is, I think, one of my at least my 10 favorite movies ever and i think a a big reason why that is is that it does not rely on special effects to be a great movie that is a more uh it's like i don't want to say that it's like a human movie uh, but i mean i guess it is but it's just a more it's a more like organic movie that you can come back to it's the same thing with last jedi i really liked last jedi apparently people really don't like that movie people oh well i mean this is like this is the people who don't like Last Jedi are wrong, and they're the kinds of people that you like don't want to get stuck talking to at a party because they're like, it's it's like it's like the libertarian losers that didn't like the Last Jedi. I feel like the libertarian libertarian losers would like the Last Jedi. No, they the it's like this very. Do, do, it's do like libertarians a, have like a big take on Star Wars. I I guess that I I'm more categorizing with them this group of people. Um, like in, in Tiger King, do you remember Josh Dial? The campaign manager? He would have he would have hated The Last Jedi. Really? 
Yeah, it's 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 this. Um, so it's like the the Gamergate people online. These were these were the people that really hated the Last Jedi. You know, they first of all, these people already hated that a, a female main character. Uh, they hated Kelly. They hated Kelly Marie Tran. Rose uh, is her name in the movie. Um, they really hated that. Like the the constant criticisms of Last Jedi are. Uh, that Kelly Marie Tran was involved too much and that her storyline does not make sense and that it The Last Jedi undoes a lot of what the original trilogy does, which I, I do not agree with that. And I think The Last Jedi is great and is one of my three favorite Star Wars movies, probably. Well, I thought that the last one, Rise of Skywalker, actually kind of, un- I mean, it obviously undid a lot of what happened in Last Jedi, but it com- like, right. on a rewatch, it completely kills Rose's character from last jedi because she's like not in the last one (laughs) yeah and that was a that was a conscious decision because they they redid um they they basically what they wanted to do was they just tried to undo everything that happened in last jedi you know it was it was a conscious decision made by uh her name is kathleen kennedy maybe uh that that could be wrong who's in charge of star wars yeah kathleen kennedy Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. And, and they, they basically, they were like, Ryan Johnson, thanks for your service. You're out of here. You're done. Um, we don't, we don't, we don't want you to do this anymore. And then they had, um, JJ Abrams come in and, you know, essentially try and undo everything that happened in the last Jedi, well, really which worked, I think is sad. Well, it really worked out well. Cause uh, I like Ryan Johnson and this freed him up to make knives out, which I really enjoyed. Knives out was a great movie. I, I really enjoyed knives out as well. I yeah. thought, uh, I, I just really love, Murder mystery, a good murder mystery. Yeah, have like you, Sherlock Holmes is the best. Have you ever seen Goth, uh, Gosford Park? I have not. I'm taking all recommendations right now. Uh, though. Gosford Park, uh, Julian Fellows was the writer. I think it came out in 2000 or 2001. Uh, it's excellent. It basically he ended up creating Downton Abbey, and it's, it's Downton Abbey is like the TV version of Gosford Park, but Gosford Park's a bit more straight up murder mystery but in like a mansion or, or an estate in England, that kind of thing. Also, if you love murder okay. mysteries, watch Clue the movie. <laughs> Clue the movie. Would you say it's good? Uh, that's so funny. My girlfriend's sister, her favorite board game ever is Clue. Like she really, really just goes crazy for Clue. Yeah, Clue's a terrible game, but Clue the movie is one of the campiest movies that you'll ever watch. It's also hilarious. I don't know how well camp will go over in my house, but I'll put it on the list. You're not big into camp? Like, you don't like Rocky Horror? No, mm-mm, not for me. You don't like The Room? Didn't see it. So you got a lot of camp to catch up on, pal. So I think that I think that I just, like, there are some things that I get, some things that entertain me that other people don't get, and I don't try and push it on them. And I think, like, camp is one of those things where I don't get it, and if someone, like... It just to me, there's some things that make sense to you and some things that don't. And I don't think that one, I don't think camp makes sense to me. Like people talk about like the old campy Batmans and stuff. And oh, like, I, love, I hate that. I, I love so, yeah, like, I hate Batman. old. Yeah. Like I don't like it at all. The movie Batman from 1968 or whatever it is. I actually have the poster on the wall of my studio, but in the opening scene, Adam West gets a shark stuck to his leg. Once he comes out of the water, like it's eating his leg. But luckily Robin has some shark anti-repellent spray in his bag and like gives it to him in the most complicated way possible off the bat copter. It is fantastic. So yeah, I mean, I can't do that. Like, cause to me, Batman is Kevin, Kevin Conroy and Batman, the animated series. That's Batman. Yeah. That's you trying too hard. 
dude batman the animated series is great i I watched it on your recommendation i agree that it's great but to say that he's batman is kind of crazy well so i mean that was my you know primary exposure to batman that was where i learned about batman primary exposure to batman like there was it's not like there weren't batman movies around the same time or before I mean, I think that those movies that were made were, they were made for like, like I just, maybe I wasn't allowed to watch them. I guess it's so long, but I know that I watched Batman the Animated Series on Saturday morning when I was a kid. And that, like, that was how I learned about Batman. That was how I like, like, oh, this is Batman. Growing, I used to watch the Fox cartoon slate in the morning. So it would be like Spider-Man, X-Men, and The Tick. And The Tick still remains one of my favorite cartoons of all time. Tick the, is, the Tick is decent. I haven't watched it in a long time. So The Tick is like very rewatchable. But the guy that created Venture Brothers worked on The Tick. And then once that ended, he created Venture Brothers. Have you have you succeeded in your mission to turn people on to Venture Brothers during quarantine? I haven't really. Has anyone, I haven't really, has anyone told you they watched it? No, no one's told me they watch it. It's Listen, I get that it's a tough. It's not a tough ask because it's a very watchable series and it's hilarious. And what it is in season one is certainly not what it is in season three. In, but, but right. I, I've always said, if you like the world building that the Simpsons did over its first 10 years, it's a lot like that. There are so many characters like fleshed out characters in this show. And it's, a, if you think like it, this comes down to it again, like when people talk about TV, like family guy is hilarious. Family guy is really offside. It's like family guy is funny. Family Guy can be somewhat offside. The Venture Brothers is hilarious and crosses the line. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I here's so Family Guy to me is like, um, it's like very good, like background fodder. Like if I, if I'm watching Family Guy, I am uh, playing poker on my phone. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing something else. Whereas like I would sit down and watch an episode of Venture Brothers as like primary entertainment. As would I. And the show just has so many different mutations over the years too. Like one of the problems that the Simpsons encountered and family guy encounters and why South park has retained its popularity over time is that one of those shows change and the other two just do exactly the same thing that they did 20 years ago. I mean, the Simpsons is like some of these modern, like I've watched a couple of these. I mean, a big problem the Simpsons has is that old, like old people write a lot of their episodes and they just like, are cranky and don't get it like some now they do take freelance scripts they do take uh you know they they people submit spec scripts to them so there are younger people that do write simpsons episodes sometimes but like the politics and stuff of that show are just very bizarre because such old people are writing them it didn't feel like the simpsons had much politics at the beginning like even when you go back and watch it it's well yeah really only lisa really only i mean and they would so i i think a a couple examples of how that has changed though would be like no one thought monty burns was ever good right like he was just clearly the villain of the show whereas like i think to just like villainize billionaires now that just would have been like that would have just been very normal in 1989 1990 when that show was conceived whereas like now like thinking that like billionaires are likely criminals is like that's a political stance i I suppose that's true that's actually one of the things that i wanted to talk to you about billionaires that 
people are giving away, like they're donating $25 million or $30 million to this and that. And like the only response is, well, that's like me donating 30 cents. Like, how dare you? Like, that's not a good reaction to have. <laughs> yeah, no, like I'm never, I'm not, I'm not one of these, um, you, you know, know, liberal folks that, that you know gets what they mad could, when people donate. You know what billionaires could donate? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that the, the argument from, from my side of the political aisle would be that, uh, you know, the federal government should just uh, take this, like, you know, they sh- there should just be ways for them to not have that much money uh, in the first place. Oh, you, know, you want to begin you, with, you, you want to go and take everyone's money. That sounds fun. Everyone's going to love. I that. just want to, I just would, I would like for billionaires to be taxed more, or, you know, for Amazon to pay taxes in the United States at all, instead of zero taxes. Yeah. Well, you're going to say like, we like we've talked about before you start doing stuff like that, then these companies don't exist in America. They exist everywhere else in the world that will allow them to not pay taxes. I think that, so the interesting thing with that is that there just is so much money in the United States of America. And so many people consume here. Uh, that I think that that's that becomes a harder argument because so just consumerism and business is, uh, you know, you're just you're you're just going to make more money in the United States. Sure, but it doesn't mean you can't sell to the United States. And then you have to import it, and then everything just becomes more expensive to the consumer. Yeah, I mean, I and again, I I you know I don't make the point of being an economist or anything like that, but I I think I I do think it is. It is absurd that Amazon pays zero dollars in taxes to the United States of America. Like that, that's it's just it's just not justifiable. And they could they could be paying billions of dollars to the United States and still be remaining profitable, hundred percent for sure. Oh, sure, oh, sure. Listen, paying zero taxes is kind of ridiculous. But my point on this was, it's not really a left or a right type thing. Just like be happy people are donating money yeah don't i mean yeah so like that's a i think that is a valid gripe normally i think these things that you know cranky middle-aged guys complain about with the uh young liberals i think are either drastically overblown or really out of touch but i think that i think that complaining about people donating money is just bad just a, a bad look and you know there are many other things that people with lots of wealth are doing that are bad and that are selfish. So I don't think it makes much sense to like, you know, hone in when people are actually doing good. And it it comes down to the point. It's like, well, the common argument that you hear is, well, that is 0.21% of your personal net wealth. And it's like, okay, but like, how come you're not donating your 74 cents or whatever it is? Like you don't, you're not doing anything. All you're doing is just complaining on the internet. Yeah, and I mean, even if even if you do donate that you're uh, a similar amount of wealth or whatever, you know that does not that does not mean that the like just in general trying to police donations is is a bad idea, right? Like you just you, donation charity shaming overall just seems like a bad idea to me. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It just it seems like such an odd thing to get. Mad. There's so much to get mad about that that seems like a really particularly weird thing to me. To me, I think it just comes from a place of powerlessness of from a lot of these, you know, very uh, middle to lower class uh, people who are interested in social justice, who are interested in income inequality, and who just are rightly i believe offended by 
just the completely disgusting, opulent wealth that some of these people have. And you just you just feel powerless and you just feel that uh, even something as innocuous as charity donation is just is just twisting the screw even further. Now, I might be completely off base with this, but I find the people that I've encountered that really get riled up about people having opulent wealth and that kind of thing aren't people from the lower classes. It's like doing well, white, middle class people with college educations. Who want, who just who are who are mad they don't have more. I mean, I, I, I'm sure that I am sure that the person you are referring to exists and also I, I mean, I'm, is, I'm basically referring to you. Yeah, I mean, and I don't, I don't think that I. Well, so that's interesting. I, you know, I, I, it's a. I am definitely offended by complaining about billionaires is a real privilege problem to have. So that is true to a certain extent. So, so what you are what what I'm saying is across the board, you're right. The people who should be complaining about the opulent wealth of people. I would completely agree with, but I think the people that you're pegging as the ones actually complaining about this aren't complaining about it. It's not those people. They're the people who should be complaining about it. It's more people who just have like nothing better to do that they're complaining about it. I mean, I think that, I think that position definitely exists amongst people who are less fortunate, less privileged than myself. Um, And I think that's, I mean, I know I think that sentiment is there. But I think the yeah. actual voicing of these concerns and complaints is not coming from that. It's coming from, like I said, it, it doesn't even need to be middle class. It could be lower middle class, but it's generally a college-educated thing because you learn about this stuff. You know, you're active on Twitter. Like a lot of people who are str- like really struggling right now and just struggling in general, they're not on Twitter complaining about billionaires not paying enough taxes. They're just not. That, I mean, that's so that's true. Right. And I mean, I, we've spoke about this on the show before, like it is an incredibly an incredibly privileged position to be in, you know, the worst economic downturn in the Western. Well, I mean, in the world, really, not just the Western world since the uh, 2008 housing market crash and to be able to go on a podcast and talk about movies or, you know, talk about the stock market in the sense of like, oh, maybe I should buy this stock is on sale, not I need to sell all my stocks so that like I can get, you know, food for my my family and stuff. Like, you know, like I as of as of um, you know, April 4th, 2020, like this crisis has not impacted my day-to-day living to a, a particularly drastic degree and i mean i think that at this point we're not even we're like a month into this and i think that you know probably 20 percent of the country has been impacted by this in a meaningful way so like i it is it's a very blessed position to be in for sure well we just we just had the turn of the month uh so rent was due a lot of expenses are up at the beginning of a month and it seems like people like obviously not everyone but it seems like you can get through that and there's even so, and it's not all landlords, it's not all anyone. So there's particular examples that even I've seen of you know, landlords, if they can do it, are cutting people some slack on this stuff as much as they can. So if they're not going bankrupt yeah. by allowing people not to pay rent for a month, they're not charging rent for a month, which is a very yeah. humane. That's the one thing I have found with all of this is that people and people are just far more humane than any of us have really given us credit for. People are working together. 
when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Not everyone, obviously, but as communities come together, this is actually happening to a certain extent. There's always going to be pieces of shit out there, and that's just going to happen. We're going to have to live with that. But there's more good in people than I think that a lot of people anticipated coming in. But once we get to April 30th and May 1st starts coming along, now we got a bit of a different story because this is the same thing. We tried not to touch on the same things week after week after week because essentially this the Corona cast that we've been doing, if you went back and listened to the first one, it might as well be brought to you by Old Takes Exposed. Like, we don't know what's going on. But the yeah. one comment... And I, and I think, by the way, I think... do I, I mean, there are, of course, always going to be comments from just... though. I mean, the worst type of person, by the way, I've been... I wanted to talk to you about this. The worst type of person is the person who wants to tell you how little you know about the stock market. That is... Is there, is there a worse guy on Twitter than that guy? I mean, didn't I, didn't I do a segment last week where I was just like, I don't like talking about stocks because I know nothing about stocks? <laughs> yeah, so I was like, you know, I... I I said, you know, I, I look, I follow, and I'm not claiming to be a genius, but there was, of course, someone who had to bring in and just be like, I know more than you, you don't know anything, and gave me, like, specific examples. So I, I've been meaning to get, I've been meaning to get that takeoff, that, that just, like, that is, of all the type of people that there are on Twitter, the guy you run into most often who is the worst is the guy who wants to tell you how much he knows about the stock market. That's fine, man. Like it's just people making themselves feel good, making themselves feel smarter. If that's going to be the dopamine hit that they get by putting you down, our job as we're not necessarily public figures, but the public interacts with us more than a normal person, that part of our job is to take this shit as well. That is true. And it's like I don't I uh I don't really block people. I'll block I will block um like mega like people yeah, um sometimes we, we but i don't block anyone yeah i i'm i just go for the mute though yeah the, mute, the mute's the move it is uh it is funny though like um you know sometimes i log into the podcast account to go look at at responses to my tweets and just like i'll i'll, I'll see like 20 replies to tweets that like i didn't see on my feed just because i have so many people muted I, I i assume that happens with a lot of mine because i have a lot of people muted but i the reason I mute them is because I don't want to see them. <laughs> well, so I mean, I just in the sense of like I will log in, so I will log into the podcast account to go like retweet my own tweets sometimes or like uh, podcast tweets. Oh, I did want to bring that up. I want to bring that up to Feinberg too because I he seen a lot of uh, people retweeting their own tweets lately. Now I do that because I'm not as hard of a worker as you. You have the you have the tweets all scheduled out to rebring your podcast feed up. I just go back and retweet the original podcast tweet. Okay, see, I think that's fine. Like, if it's content, it's content. Like, hey, check this out. Here's content. And I'm I'm just as guilty of doing this as everyone else is. I've really tried over the past year and a half, two years to stop it. If I think that something I have said is really clever and it didn't get a bunch of traction, put it back out there in the ether. Give myself a personal retweet. But then I see it come across my feed that... Like other people are doing, I saw the only reason I say Jeff because I saw Jeff do it the other day. I see people, everyone do it all the time if they think they've got something that's like super sharp or super funny or whatever it is. But the problem is when you see a tweet that's retweeted by the person who tweeted it, it just seems real thirsty. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's definitely one of those things where you're like, oh, it's fine if I do this this once, but every time you see someone else do it, it's infuriating. You're like, get a look, get you know, like get a grip, dude. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, it's one of those things where you you're totally fine doing it yourself. Like, oh, just this one time, and then you watch someone else do it, and it just tilts you to oblivion. Can I tell you about 
three shows I have coming out this week. Let's do it. It's Masters Week, Davis. Man, tough, tough, tough scenes for me. Just and uh, you know, interesting. Depending on your sports book, uh, and I know you probably are in this situation too. Like, are you going to get your Masters futures refunded, or do you think that they're like are are your books holding them until the Masters is officially canceled? Jeff and I actually talk about this. We don't know. I assume that if it's not canceled and it's postponed, they're just going to hold the money. But I'm good with them holding that money because I have, I only have two Masters bets in, and those aren't the prices that I'm getting on those two players anymore. Yeah, I I have two. I have JT um, and Bryson, Bryson and um, uh, Terrell Hatton. Leone talked me into that one. Yeah, that's not going to happen, but. I have Justin Thomas at 20 and Bryson at 50 and it's probably like Justin Thomas at 14. Now Bryson at like 25. Bryson is the best. Yeah, Bryson, Bryson, Bryson was, Bryson was going to win. Yeah. We're all, he got robbed. Here. No, no, but as I don't want to spoil the shows, but as Feinberg points out, this break really works to the favor of Bryson. Cause he was just figuring everything out. Now he's just going to be in like the lab for five months, figuring out this swing, perfecting everything. Once we come out of the break and like golf is back, I feel like he's going to be completely ready to go. Oh, yeah. He like no one is no one has welcomed this break from tour grinding more than Bryson DeChambeau. Agreed. And his game and he will be fully prepared the moment that we're ready to go again. And I think yeah, just he will have, he will be have like, been eh. playing. <laughs> He will have been playing virtual courses of everything he plans to play when quarantine ends. Uh, Jason Day probably has not picked up a golf club. Like, he will probably have gone six months. Sure, and you got to watch out because I'm experiencing it right now. Uh, you don't want to gain the COVID-19, Davis. No, no, you don't. And there's going to be a lot of golfers who are doing that right now. Although they probably all have gyms at their mansions. I am, I'm struggling struggling fitness wise yeah so i gotta i gotta i mean so a couple shout outs shout out jonathan bales first of all there was no way that i was going to be able to watch a man do 2400 push-ups in a day and uh not exercise myself so i have been uh push-ups are hard for me because i had surgery on my elbow two years ago i can do them but they just like they hurt a lot so i I do not do Sounds like I don't do that many. Sounds like you're an expert ex- at excuses. But I have been running outside, which I hate. I I I re- I hate it so much. It's so much worse than running indoors. And I think that you will agree with me on this take. Uh, but I hate it. But I have been doing it. And and second shout out is Michael Leone because we are doing a uh, a fitness related challenge bet to keep each other honest. Ah, see, that's good. I, running outdoors is so much better for you than almost anything that you can do. I mean, it might hurt your knees if you're running on pavement, um, but versus doing the stairs at the gym versus doing the elliptical or running on a treadmill or doing the rowing machine, there's nothing helping you when you're running outside. That's it. It's you versus the ground. You, you yeah, gravity just and pavement. <laughs> absolutely hate it, man. Like, just I, like, I, 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 I can't distract myself. I, I just crank some volume and I go out. The problem is... Uh, my wife is still working full time. I'm working full time and we have the baby at home. So right. I think I complained about this last week, but I'm going to complain about it again because I don't have much going on in my life right now, but I take care of the baby all day. 
So she works from like nine to five or whenever like she'll sleep in a little bit or she'll get up with him for an hour. Then I'll take over. Then she'll start working. But she's around all day because we're working from home and I'm you know entertaining the baby all day. That normally what I would do is, you know, deal with him. He goes down for his nap. Maybe I'll lay down at that point. Uh, then he has a second nap around like two thirty or three. And that's when I would go for a run. But I'm taking him out for like an 80 minute walk every single day that I just have no energy to go run anymore. <laughs> like, all I want to yeah. do is just lay down, because I know I have to work in the evening. Either write stuff, prep shows, edit shows, whatever it might be. It's not, like, laborious by any means. It's not physically taxing. But if I'm too tired, like, I'm not going to do a good job. Uh, so I've been... I really wanted to run, like, once every two days. And instead, I'm just, like, walking for an hour. And, like, walking doesn't do shit. Not for me. Yeah. Walking, if you don't do... If you're used to being sedentary... And now you're walking an hour a day, you're going to see a huge change. But I was running like three miles a day, almost every day. And now I'm like walking for an hour. Yeah. So I am, I run a mile and a half and then I walk two miles after that with one of my dogs right now. And that is, uh, that sounds like nothing, but like I have not ran outdoors since I was in college. So it is, uh, like even even like literally i've been i've been on this schedule for four days and it's already become like noticeably easier for me yeah well after the first one that you do first one or maybe second one your quads are like death (laughs) yeah uh i mean i it is i just like i I just, I cannot impart to people how much I used to distract myself on the stairs or the treadmill or the rower or whatever with my phone. And you just, you just can't do that running outside. It's like a whole different activity, basically. Well, I really like running. Like, I don't like running for one thing, but I do it all the time. It's the biggest mental break I get all day. I believe we've yes. discussed this before. But yeah, like, we I'll, have talked about this before. I'll pound music in like really loudly. But that's almost to tune out the rest of the world while I'm doing it. Or just to keep like a beat going that gets me pumped up the entire time. But it's the only time I can like think about stuff. Really, like I'm always, we're always on doing our Doing something. We're always doing, doing, doing. We're, our entire day is just based around preoccupying ourselves. That's why for a lot of people, this quarantine's not that big of a deal. If you have to stay at home and like finances aren't a thing, like you can entertain. I can sit on my couch and be on my phone for eight straight hours. I could. Like that's not impossible for me to do. And I know that I'm not alone when it comes down to that. Being like if this had happened 15 years ago, you would have got bored real quickly. Now, you are bored, but you're bored in a completely different way, one that gets you through the day all right. But when it comes to running, like I space out, like I'll think about like when I think about like upcoming shows or upcoming things to do or different takes or different spins on something that I want to hit on air. Like people think that I like legitimately do no research and don't do anything or don't think things out, which is half true. But sometimes I do put a lot of thought into what I want to say. And when you're doing an hour and a half of like content and radio every single day, you're going to get repetitive. You're going to say the same thing every once in a while. You're going to say something that's completely stupid because you haven't really thought it out. That's the time every day that I like to take as a mental break. It's almost like re turning your phone off and turning your phone on, turning your laptop off, turning your laptop on. You should do that every few days or every day just to keep it fresh. That's how I feel like running is for me. So that is how I felt about exercise in general. Not, not the treadmill so much because I would normally be on my phone for the treadmill or the stairs, but for lifting because I wouldn't be on my phone during that. I would just be, I would just have music on or whatever, but, uh, you know, haven't been able to, haven't been able to do that. So now, now that, that hour a day where I go run and go walk with one of my dogs has, has replaced that time. I got to say not as good 
but better than like literally just not leaving my couch playing MLB the show all day. So what I've started to do now is I put him down for a nap at like 10. I'll lay down and try to get like half an hour sleep. He only sleeps like 45 minutes an hour. So that's good. Um, during his second nap, because I used to take him out after his first nap. So now during his second ta- nap, I'm not like gas from going out walking. I have weights at my house. I do like I switch between arms then shoulders, then chest, and then I'll do a core workout. That's how I'm, like, getting into my new routine. I'm only in day two of it, but I do that. Then when he wakes up, I we found we had a storage, like, in our closet. We had this carrier from when he was, like, a really little baby, but it weighs yeah. up, you can have him in it until he weighs up to 45 pounds. So what I was doing was taking him out in the stroller and walking him around. Now, I just strap him in, and I go for an hour-long walk. And then it's, like, like he's 30 pounds. So I have him, like, strapped to my chest, and I'm walking around for an hour, like, power-walking. Yeah, I've got 30 pounds on me. I feel like it's working a little bit better. I mean, that's like that's like uh, these the, the hardos that go run around the city with like weighted book bags on. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, basically. But now I'm not, I can't run with him, obviously. That would be very dangerous. But going out It'd and be walking, dangerous. But he likes it, though. Like, he can see, like, when he's in the stroller, like, he's kind of doing his own thing. When he's strapped to me, he's, like, looking at dogs from across the street. He sees squirrels. He's pointing at stuff. It's great. Yeah, I mean, kids, they, they like the, uh, they you know, they, they got to like just the stimulus. Yeah, and he just, he's, he, we live in such a small condo, and we have him, like, penned in, so, because everything else in the condo is sharp, that he doesn't have a whole lot of room to run around. So, getting him out of the house, even if it is for an hour a day, I feel like is essential to his development. Yeah, like he's got. Yeah, I, I would I would think that that is a, a normal part of trying to socialize your child is uh, getting them outside of the confines of uh, the condominium. I would hope so, because so, we what were, do I know about kids, though? Sure. But we were taking him to daycare. Like he's been in daycare since eight months where he goes and interacts and eat, like, eats different food than he eats at home. So we've been it's hard to get your hands on a board of new food right now but uh i'm still like living off my hello fresh sponsorship they sponsor the show uh so i had, like i had like backdated it till like whenever because my wife uh you know she's going on maternity leave i think in two weeks and then i had set it up for then so like the last two like the last month when she was working into maternity leave so it'd be less of a stress for us to go out and eat so it really worked out perfect timing that we're getting these huge boxes of hello fresh every single week i don't know how long that's going to last though like they can't feasibly be doing this for 6 months can they i mean i just think that the supply chain was going to get disrupted like my my opinion is that it's it is and again i don't know i don't know shit like, you know, I don't know anything. My feeling is that the supply chain at some point is going to get pinched and that it's going to become more difficult to distribute to distribute food, you know, across uh, all of the United States and Canada and Mexico and stuff. But I don't know if that's true or not. Well, there are going to be certain things that like we won't have here eventually and probably sometime in the near future because the borders are closed right now. You can transport stuff in and out, but. I don't know how much of a priority getting avocados from California is going to be. Maybe they'll have them in Vancouver, but out east, you know, maybe we'll, we won't have fresh avocados anymore. I mean, that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make, Davis. Tough scene. Tough it's, scene. But if, you know, essentials start running out, then we got a lot of problems. Like, Trump stopped the sale. 3M was supposed to be providing ventilators to Canada as per contract, and Trump, like, nixed it. Be like, you can't give away those ventilators. 
yeah, that's a that the ventilators. I mean, just just there's there's no point in talking about this dude. Like it's just it is the United States political situation right now. It's just uh, it's just a clown show. Well, the craziest one was. I, just seeing it from our our perspective in Canada versus the United States, uh, Trump was going to put military on the border in Canada. <laughs> I just, I you never know with him. You and, never know. Like Canadians the guy, the dude like, just gets up there and talks. Well, and the Canadians were like, "What?" They're like, "Yeah, because yeah, you know, too many people are from Canada are coming to the states." Like, I don't think anyone's doing that, man. <laughs> yeah, like literally, find me one person who did it. Well, there's a lot of Americans up here who either stuck or they got across who are basically milking our health care. <laughs> good for them good for them they're you know what i'm sure it's a terrible drain for you people gotta think that uh the people in the boonies of canada gotta think that uh that's a situation where their life is not gonna have changed too much no and i saw today every province has it almost every territory has it but none of it zero zero positive cases yeah. Uh, our, so at Daily Roto, we have a guy who does CFL stuff for us who lives up, you know, somewhere in oh, ben? in the boon. Ben. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, Ben. Yeah. He's in Saskatchewan. Uh, yeah. So it, he's like, there's like, we have nine cases in our county and those people are just never leaving their homes. And it's like, I'm not going to get it. And I was like, well, must, it must be nice. Yeah. And then I'm dealing with the situation where I'm at in a highly dense downtown core. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I, uh, I still, I, I still have not left the house to do anything yet. Um, How are you my girlfriend groceries? went, my girlfriend went to go get groceries uh, this last week well, during I'm, the day while I was working. I'm, I'm glad you didn't go with her because I went and got groceries last weekend. Like there's like a lineup outside. Everyone is you know, two meters apart, six feet for you Americans out there, um, and they're only letting so many people into the stores. So all good stuff. Like I'm, I'm fine to stand outside. I got nothing to do on a on a Saturday kind of thing. And it was a bit rainy and cold, so I was like, this is a perfect time to go because I bet people won't be lining up. I was mistaken. Then I was just freezing outside. And I can't even smoke in line because then it's bothering other people. I would feel bad about that. I wouldn't want someone smoking in front of me, even though I smoke. Like that's right. That, that's not acceptable. That's not socially acceptable. And it's just bad. Time, I mean, the time the time to go to a grocery store, we talk I I I'm sure this has been mentioned, but the time to go if you're in the States is you want to go to a grocery store that's open 24 seven and you go, you know, really late at night, really early in the morning, or you go to Walmart at like 3am right after they've just stocked. Nothing is, uh, none of these places are 24 hours here anymore. They won't allow them to stay open. I, I guess I have not, I've not left my house in so long that I don't even know. I, I know that our governor, so I, I am new to being a resident of Missouri. Missouri. I was a resident of Missouri. Yeah. I was a resident of Kansas for a long time. So I'm still learning like, the uh the local politics right like how the governorship works uh representatives and everything compared to what i knew growing up and you know our governor the governor of missouri is just a big dipshit and we we it just on friday was was uh shelter in place orders put in in missouri oh wow see it's really funny i we talked about this before but uh the premier so the governor per se, of Ontario, where I live, is basically Trump light. Uh, but he has done an outstanding job during this of like conveying honesty with the public. Here's what we're doing. We are fucking locking down. If we catch you outside, like we're going to kill you, basically, is what he said. So I, I think that the, the as, as far as I understand it, and we'll, of course, get people writing in that this is wrong or that they disagree. But well, you're as far as I am, you are essentially fake news. 
So don't listen to you. Yeah. What I've, what I've right. heard. Um, so essentially, a lot of the governors in the United States that have not put shelter-in-place orders in are doing so because that, like, the more uh, towing the party line with the Republican Party that you are, the more assistance your state will get from the federal government because uh, the federal government, this has been a big thing in American news last week, that the federal government has this stockpile of ventilators and they do not want, for whatever reason, uh, Trump and his people don't want to share them with the states. I don't know. It has not been made clear to me why that is, but it is the case. So here, like we have a conservative premier. Most premiers in Canada are conservative right now with a liberal leadership and just generally how it goes. Uh, but right, they, same. Like, yeah. like I said, they've all been kind of working hand in hand, like no cutthroat type stuff. Like the federal government's doing like the premier will say, the guy's the opposing party. He's doing a good job. You got to listen to him. And, you know, Justin Trudeau's like, yeah, Doug Ford's doing a great job. Jason Kenney out West, he's doing a really good job. Like everyone's, it's, it's, it's I, I keep kind of doubling down. This. It just really blows my mind to see it. Yeah. And so not right now because this ventilator issue and this state assistance issue has become a thing. But about two weeks ago, this was that was happening in the United States. Some of the some of the super liberal, uh, some of the super liberal leadership in the United States. So like Ilhan Omar and stuff like 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 Democratic socialists were saying like the federal like the the executive branch is doing a really good job and is doing the right things and and obviously it just it, that was not going to last for very long, but it was happening for a little while. Well, we have fewer people, so yeah, there's fewer people to get mad and. We haven't been overwhelmed yet. Canada is on a like is on that part of the slope right now, like the bad part. <laughs> right. So we're I mean, everyone's kind of hoping that we've been doing the social distancing for three basically since we started doing the show almost four weeks now that hopefully it was enough to you know, the goal was always to flatten it out. It wasn't to solve the problem, but hopefully yeah. that's actually working. But like there's still you know jabronis out there walking the streets flooding the parks but that really does seem to be a vast minority of people yeah so i saw so for the states just this last week uh the new york times posted this uh basically like infographic of where in the united states uh travel has been reduced travel has been the same and it was on a, a color gradient scale and the northeast has basically just shut down like like there's just nothing going on uh in the northeastern united states and like huge parts of california there's nothing going on and then uh in the in the southern united states uh it's basically just business as usual like it's crazy like it's just like it's the same that's kind of nuts but outside of the, the problem is like it, if they shut down in atlanta specifically Maybe Miami and different parts of Florida. I know Florida has been a weird one, but that's like the reason that Seattle got hit so hard. The reason LA got hit so hard in California and New York got hit so hard. So there's so much international travel to airports. Yeah. Yeah. And Atlanta is that hub. It's more of a hub from like Europe over, but I mean, that's not good news either, but if you can figure it out there and in Chicago and really clamp it down at the source, then it won't spread to like, if you live in Mobile, Alabama, chances are that the virus was brought there by someone who came through the Atlanta airport. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, 
And I, I, I assume that travel is mostly done by now. Like, are, are airlines still flying? I don't even actually know the answer to this question. I, I don't. I think here, like, province to province travel is basically out of the question. Like, you need to stay where the fuck you are. Yeah. And be- I, I think that in the United States, you can still uh, drive. Like, I think you could just get in your car and go to a different state if you wanted to. Yeah, I, I, I would find it hard to think that they could police all of that. So you could probably get away with it. It's just a, it's a it's a big country, Pat. I don't know if anyone told you this. United States, a lot of land, a lot of people. Uh, I mean, not so much people up here, but we're about twice the size. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, by the way, has been I have heard the argument from the more uh, optimistic group of people that uh Basically, the large landmass of the United States and of Canada is a big reason why things might be okay here. That just the the wide open space and the healthier air is going to be a reason for the spread of COVID-19 to not be as dramatic as it was in Europe. Obviously, that logically makes a lot of sense, but that's also pressing a lot of boy, I hope that's true onto it. It's, it's no different than... Right, exactly, it's, yeah. That's no different than anyone who's like, well, obviously it's going to be over by June. It's going to be hot in June. And if it's over 60 degrees, it, the virus can't exist anymore. It's like, no one knows that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and, and I gotta, I have to say, it's just like, I am, I am so terrified by this. Uh, so, like, I, 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 from the from the time I knew what the coronavirus was just all of it. I was, I was scared. I've been scared. I basically got more scared, you know, pretty much every single day. So like, don't listen to me because I'm, I'm going to give you just one of the most pessimistic projections that you're going to get. I, I would, and, and my friends who are more optimistic, I'm trying to listen to them and I'm trying to, take whatever it is that their brains are able to be optimistic about this because I don't, I, it's not fun to be scared and to, and to think that things are going to get worse. Yeah. I, I don't live a, like they, on the challenge, they tell you not to play a scared game. I'm not living scared up here. I'm just trying to do what's reasonable. Uh, and that seems to be the common theme amongst people I know. But again, people I know are like 40 and younger. <laughs> like even my, my grandparents aren't leaving their place, but they don't seem like my grandmother keeps saying, it's like, this is the weirdest thing that's ever happened in my entire life. She's like, and I'm old. It's like, but this is just bizarre. Yeah, I mean, this will be the weirdest thing that happens in any of our lives, I think. Yeah, but everyone said that about 9-11. Well, this is, I mean, I, and, and again, you know, people are so bad at, uh, at dealing with tail risks and, and predicting tail risks and reacting to tail risks uh, and everything. So, you know, I, I don't know, but, but. This this would I this I think has a very high probability of being the weirdest thing that happens in my lifetime. Well, this also has, and I don't know what we're going to see coming out of this, but this has a real opportunity to be a catalyst that changes a lot of like structural things within governments, within societies, within economies. And I don't know which way it's going to go. Whether stuff becomes more socialist, stuff becomes more capitalist, but. I think that we're seeing that everyone being inside their houses and not driving around everywhere is kind of like curing the environment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this which, is definitely... Which, which also leads me to believe that all these fucking people that we're talking about, the world is going to end because of the environment in five years, we're full of fucking shit. 
Well, I mean, I still think the world is definitely on pace to get crushed by uh, industrialism and and climate change. It just, you know, maybe maybe the projections that have it in the next 10 years are wrong. Yeah, next but, 50 but years, every, I definitely buy it. But there are people who like a lot of what we heard was, oh, climate change is just going to destroy the world. There is literally nothing that we can do to change that. But just looking at stuff that's been going on right now in terms of air quality, in terms of lack of pollution and how quickly the earth is healing itself, that obviously something needed to be done. But I think just seeing what's happened so far, it's been like a month that there's probably a solution that we can figure out. To climate change? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes, I think probably there is a there there is a solution is it at all realistic in a world that worships at the altar of big business not not a chance well we're gonna see how long this goes like the the big business and the optimists and those sorts of people you know everything's gonna be fine by mid-may well what if it's not what if this goes till fucking next year it's not gonna be fine by big may no, I don't think so either. But like we're on lockdown, like the city is in a state of emergency till at least in Toronto till June 30th. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I think <laughs> so like my and again, whatever, like old takes expose me like I, I, I just enjoy talking about this and I'm an opinionated person. So I'm going to have an opinion on everything. Uh, I, I think that I would really like if we are done with this by january 2021 that would be i think that sounds like i would sign up for that right now as as a best case scenario oh god that sounds awful but i don't necessarily disagree with you i would disagree that i'd sign off on that right now and hoping we can figure this out quicker than that but if you want the populace to sign off on that you are fucking bonkers there's no no people will no if we had to bet on a date when people lose their minds and stop caring about this when do you think it is i'm gonna say may 13th yeah mid mid next month i and so i gotta so i uh this is this should be the last thing we talk about i've seen this opinion and i think it's stupid but i actually agree with it okay. which is that instead instead of saying like and and it sounds stupid but then you think about it for your second and you're like no this is actually how people work if you just told everyone you're in your house you're not leaving except to get groceries and medicine or medical treatment until august 1st you're you're talking about like revolt in the streets if you just every two weeks you say it's just going to be two weeks yeah, more we, we, we talked you keep about the this. hope alive we talked about yeah. this on the last show yeah no i i completely completely agree i think that's part of what trump's doing like i mean i think that's just what all world leaders are doing at this point but yeah but just like, oh, yeah, like, because we talked about the Easter thing, like, oh, yeah, everything will be fine. Everything should be fine by Easter. And then like a week before Easter, it's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be two weeks out. It's going to be till the end of the month. Don't worry about it. And then by when we get to like April 23rd, it'll be like, oh, yeah, it's going to be another month. Don't worry about it. Then it'll be all figured out. And then yeah, you're right. And then it, it squashes because you need there's going to be a revolt against this at some point. People will just have had enough. And then people will say, yeah. you, you know what? Is it worth all the lives due to the spread of this virus versus I can't afford to eat anymore? I can't afford my house anymore. Like eventually these two things come into contact with each other. And eventually the people who can't eat, the people who can't afford their homes are going to say, yeah, they're just going to go outside. Well, what? what, Like if they're going to die in their houses because they can't do anything. I mean, why not just go back to work? Like if, if it's me or it's them, people will always pick me. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, which I don't even disagree with. Like if the if the federal government, state governments, local governments, if they don't get uh, they do not have solutions to this, if they if if uh, you, you know, because like Canada and obviously a lot of these European countries are doing a ton to get money and to to aid yeah but it's, it's people who are it is are, no different here in terms of cabin fever in terms of the only thing that i'm kind of scared by uh, and it's a little bit on what we touched touch on last week about like the nanny state and people's americans unwillingness to accept it and that's part of the trait of america freedom yeah that there's a lot of people here who are like if you see anyone on the street arrest them stuff like arrest that. them yeah and like they're willing to turn themselves over to the state very very quickly that in a way that's really unsettling yeah and and you know i mean this is a bigger question than this show and i don't have a good answer between the i i you know i so it's kind of interesting i follow a lot of people who are really into bitcoin and you know universally these bitcoin people are the libertarian you don't want to get st- stuck talking to at the party who are like you have such a negative in like thing of libertarians most libertarians i know are like real chill (laughs) maybe it's just because the libertarians i've met (laughs) yeah and i mean so there's a difference between being um like just like a chill libertarian that that views that and doesn't want to be bothered and someone who takes the message of libertarianism super seriously yeah, but uh, a, which but like you is, but that is no different than anyone who takes liberalism any way ideology too super seriously conservatism yeah. way too serious like if you're one of the people right. on the polls you're probably a whack job so anyway the point that i was making is that is that the, those guys have been beating the uh the drumbeat of well, the old people got to die because I'm not sacrificing my liberty to go to the grocery store or go to the movies or, or whatever. Like, that's my liberty. I want to do it. And and I think that that mindset is likely to get much more popular over the growing weeks and months as people are just get sick and tired of being inside. Yeah, and being sick and told of what to do and having nothing to yeah. do, not being able to provide or not putting their utility to work. Like certain people are defined by their jobs or you know, there's a routine that they get into that they think that this is what they do. This is their purpose, stuff like that. Like keeping people out of the churches is going to be the single hardest thing to do on Easter. That's going to be tough, which seems crazy to me. Like to me, that seems crazy, but I know that's going to be tough. It's, I mean, seems crazy to me, but yeah, I mean, people are going to get mad. But it would also be a lot easier if the large amount of the church going public was 25, not 75, that people would Skype in or something like that. <laughs> I know that, I mean, not that I go to church, but like I know family members who are uh, super into church. Um, big church people? Big church people. They they like watch their church's service on a, on like the website or whatever. Well, that's good. Like, that's a great way to do it. That's what everyone should be doing. But that's just not going to be the case in a lot of places. Yeah, people are just going to go. And I I think that like in a couple states that have uh, shelter and order are still allowing churches to be open or whatever. Should church quantify as an essential service? I would say no, but that's me. No, 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 that's stupid. But people would argue that and people, you know, separation of church and state, yada, yada, freedom, liberty, all that stuff. Uh, so I have a few quick things here to hit on before we go. Uh, like I, 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 we started this like an hour ago, but the shows this week, ranking the past 15 masters, part one and part two, Monday, Tuesday, and then me, Feinberg and Tim are together on Wednesday, Davis. 
for a 2016 Masters rewatch show. That is appointment viewing. It's pretty hilarious. You guys taped that already? It's like all three shows are already done. Okay. I would have I would have loved to have um like watched a live stream of that. But yeah, that that's a great show. That is a great show. So people can be excited for that on the Pat Mayo experience this week. Uh, have you downloaded the House Party app yet? I have not downloaded the House Party app yet. I'm not trying to do virtual happy hours with my bros. I, I It doesn't do it for me. It's not really like it doesn't even need to be happy hours. Just we can put six of us on a screen on my phone like instantly and we can just start talking. Like that would be like you want to talk about content. If people just recorded some of these House Party app chats about like coronavirus, whew, the takes fly, man. Yeah, yeah, they do. That's true. What, what people talk about coronavirus-wise when they think no one's listening or they know that it's not going to get out um, are not what you and I are talking about, put it that way. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that is true. I mean, I would have more extreme coronavirus takes not being recorded for sure. Uh, what was the other one that I had? Uh, real fake news. Davis's fake news. I already got to that. Uh, thirstier than retweeting your own retweets. We got to that. Last thing, the danger of internet bubbles right now. I think it's bad, like really, really bad. Like worse, worse so than like people couldn't believe that Trump was elected because no one they had ever heard of had said positive things about Trump. It turns out like half people in the country like Trump, that it's even worse right now when it comes to news on both sides, on what people believe is true and what people don't believe is true. Like my fake news, potential real news thing of the week is – I saw someone post on Facebook, and I saw it on Instagram, too, at some point, that if you're constantly drinking hot beverages, whether it be coffee— Yeah, it'll, 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 kill, it'll kill the coronavirus. It That's like the boomer meme of the week. It, it, it won't even necessarily kill the coronavirus. It will, like, from what I read in this meme, is that the coronavirus will, like, stay in your throat for a really long time. Uh, and then it will get into your lungs. But if you drink hot liquids, it will push it down into your stomach, and then like it will be fine. So I'm pretty sure that's fake news. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I that don't is. Know. I'm not a doctor. That is a a big time like boomer uh, thing. I've seen that. I've seen that circulated a, a fair amount. It, it seems like something that a boomer would just like sign up for for sure. They'd just be like, oh yeah, I just got to drink a bunch of hot coffee and I'm fine. Yeah, but that, I mean that's an internet bubble thing though, right? I don't know if that's an internet bubble. I think that's just like no one, sh like Facebook is the worst and just no one should ever get on it. Yeah, but Facebook is an internet bubble. Like that's a very, 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 not only is that like that Facebook is probably the worst of the internet bubbles because you follow so many people and you're friends with so many people and chances are the people that you're friends with are all friends with the same people too. So you really yeah. only insular, at least on Twitter, a lot of the same people follow each other and it's conversations between the same people, but there's like different... There's more on the outside coming in. Put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I certainly, I mean, I I have not logged in on Facebook in years, but I can't imagine, like, I imagine I get more outside takes on Twitter because I follow people who are into gambling and sports and gambling and sports lean a little bit more conservative than like my friend group would. I don't even necessarily know. I would say they lean basically more libertarian than anything. Yeah, she, sure. Just, I mean, either way, it, further left than myself or further right. Yeah. I mean, I would say that most people in general lean further right than you do, even if they are left wing. Right. I mean, yeah, so that's true for sure. But uh, a lot a lot of mullet stuff going on. I, I, 
if there's one thing I wish I could do right now is get my fucking hair cut. I feel so greasy. Like, I, I cut my hair every two weeks. I keep it tight, but I just don't like having long hair. Like it gets greasy. It get, How do you do it? Dude, I just love it. It's the best. I can't imagine. I can't imagine having short hair right now. Like, how often do you wash your hair? Like I usually shower like in my pre-coronavirus. I'm showering twice a day. I shower when I wake up. I don't wash my hair every time, but I shower to wake up and then I go to the gym sometime in the afternoon or evening and then I take a quick shower after that. Like I'm constantly showering, keep my hair short because it gets sweaty really quickly. Now I'm not sweating all the time. I'm not showering every day. Like, oh, I, I just feel awful that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I shower every day now, for sure. That's good. That That's probably a part of, like, a routine I should get into. Uh, I mean, I don't... I actually, I actually don't even really like showering that much because it makes my hair, uh, like, stringy and, like, too light. But I do it just because don't have anything better to do. Um, so, yeah, internet bubbles and the other people that I hate on Twitter right now are victory lap people. Like what, what? Yeah, like like oh, I was right about coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Like, what's the point? Like, were like, a were you right about coronavirus? And b like, no one cares. Yeah, like, I mean, so what, like, what's, what's the upside to it? I mean, I I would. There is nothing I've ever wanted to be wrong about more than the coronavirus. Actually, of all the predictions I've ever made, I I, I would like for my doom and gloom mentality to be so stupid and wrong that people are like forwarding my takes to old takes exposed in a month. I would that would just be the best. Yeah, the it's just a flu. People like we kind of wish they were. They can take as many victory laps as they want. Hope that I, yeah, to be right. I, I, please there's, let those people there, be right. There's something really morbid about taking victory laps. Like, oh, I told you, five hundred thousand people were going to die. It's like oh, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah, like so. I, I've had people try and book bets with me. No, on, that like, that is yeah, and like I'm not morbid. doing that. Yeah, like I'm not doing I'm not making bets on uh deaths or anything that would portend this getting worse. Yeah. Can't one, do that. One Twitter follow that I will give people cuz I think he's doing a really good job. I kind of there's so few and maybe the facts the facts can, you know, be it's a very fluid time, Davis. Facts can change and a lot of it just comes from like the state by state reporting or country reporting. Like I know France had an uptick the other day because they threw on 500 new ones that happened like over the last three weeks that they just hadn't accounted for yet. So there's stuff like that. But Jay Primetime on Twitter, he does like an MMA podcast, but he's been all over like the reporting and just raw data from each place. And there's like no spin on it whatsoever. It's just like, here are the numbers that have come out and just like case by case, day by day, country by country. I find it really fascinating to look at it and where there's no like added color to it that I can look at these charts and be like, oh, okay. If these are the numbers that people are reporting out of these countries, here's where it is really, really bad kind of thing. So I I just find like that's a good, it's unfiltered information. I guess it is filtered because he's putting it out and putting it into like an Excel sheet, but it's not like here are my thoughts on what's happening. It's just here are the numbers. And there are very few places doing that right now. Yeah, I, I, I mean, similar, the world, worldometers.info slash coronavirus is the, I mean, I just pretty much check it every day. Uh, that's the, that's the site I like I, that I have used for the data for this. Oh, did you see that they're going to try to do an isolation horse tournament for the NBA players? All in. Love it. Hope that my guys at DraftKings are, are listening. I mean, th- between this and the NFL, like the NFL draft is going to be like gambling cocaine. This like horse tournament is fucking gambling crack. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I am all in. I love I love it so much. 
I'm excited for it too. <laughs> yeah, I just that is going to be uh there will be there will be a lot of of Tate Cast Davis Matic content on the three the horse tournament for sure. So will you a tune into my sports trivia show and b be on my sports trivia show? Yes to both for Excellent. sure. That's a perfect place to end. Beautiful. Experience. Experience.